the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Mike Lee here, the Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, 104.1 The Fish, 93.1 El Rey, and the new Talk 1640. And when I was on WMCA back in New York, I had the rare privilege and treat of being on the air for the very last Billy Graham crusade at Flushing Meadows Corona Park. And how ironic it is that tomorrow his son Franklin Graham will be visiting our state capital in Salem, Oregon. And here to tell us all about it is the vice president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Welcome, Steve Rhodes. How are you today, sir? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very excited. It's wonderful that Franklin Graham is coming to town tomorrow in Salem on the north steps of the Capitol. So tell us, what exactly is this Decision America tour? It's a it's a 50-state tour beginning back in January in Des Moines, where we started January the 5th, going all the way through the middle of October. We're asking Christians from all over the country to participate in 50 prayer rallies in, on the Capitol steps. And so we, we have the privilege of being with uh, with you guys tomorrow in Salem, and we're finally to Oregon. It's, it's, it's about time, as far as I'm concerned. Glad to be in Oregon. Well, we're very excited to have Franklin Graham aboard, and the emphasis is not really political as much as prayer-centered. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. It's not a political rally at all. It's a, it's a prayer rally. Franklin will be there. Uh, certainly he'll speak, and then he'll lead us all in prayer. And his focus is going to be the, that one key message, which is that we're, the country is in a lot of trouble, and it's important for Christians to, to go back to the only source of any power, which is that we call on the name of the Lord, and you're particularly calling on him in the day of trouble, and he will answer. So this is a, this is a call back to us, all of us as the Church, to, to stand up and call on God and expect to see great things from him. And so that's the, that's the real focus. It's certainly not about politics. I'm glad to hear that, because anytime you have something going on at a state capitol, it raises the eyebrows and suspicious thoughts. So I'm glad to hear it's a unifying event about simply praying for our area. So how has the feedback been so far in the other states where Franklin Graham has already been? Well, it's been, it's been amazing just amazing. I think a lot of people felt like, as you just described, felt like you do, which is, you know, you guys are going to do a prayer rally on the steps of the Capitol. Surely there's there's an overtly Christian, I mean, a political tone there. So I think people have been, Christians have been pleasantly surprised that it's not that. There, for, for any of us who are serious about our faith and serious about our allegiance and our obligations to Jesus, we know that that has a obviously has a public 
affront to it, which is because Jesus called us to be salt and light. So we certainly would be engaged in our communities, and that's that's certainly part of Decision America Tour. But we've seen from state after state, uh, in in every on in every part of the country, a un this is a unifying factor across denominational lines, across racial lines, to see Christians of all different stripes and all different backgrounds come together under that banner of we all serve, there's just one church, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. So just one church of Jesus Christ. And that's been exciting to see Christians of all different all different persuasions to come together to say we love Jesus and we're unifying under him. I love to see events that come along like this, Steve Rhodes, where it's not about a special denomination or group or performer, although many of us are indeed looking forward to hearing Franklin Graham speak live in person on the Capitol North Steps in Salem tomorrow at noon. But at the same time, when we think of the church, I prefer to think of it as just brothers and sisters trying to follow Christ, no matter what the size of the church or the denomination. We need to put aside our differences and really make an impact in today's world if we are to spread Christ's love most effectively. So can you tell us where the whole Decision America tour idea came from in the first place? It came from a, a burden that Franklin has had for several years now, a burden for our country. You know, our our ministry, just what God's given us to do, is is generally around the world looking for where where does God want us to go next? Where does He want us to work alongside the church to preach the gospel? But as we've done that over the last couple of years, we've watched, and anybody who's hearing this would would recognize this that. The climate in the United States has changed, and it has become much more hostile, much more difficult to talk about Jesus, who was the meekest and the most loving person ever. But you, as soon as you say that name, it brings uh, such division and such, uh, such acrimony. And now that acrimony is finding its way to a, a limiting or a restriction on our ability to share the gospel. And 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 at the same time, the darkness has grown in our country. And so it's it's an understanding or maybe an admission on our part as a ministry, and certainly in Franklin's heart, to say, that's enough. And it's time for us to get back to and call on God, because if we don't, and if God doesn't get a hold of us as the Church, if He doesn't bring a revival and an awakening here, then uh, we're going to be in far worse trouble over the course of the next couple of years. So it's, I think, an attempt, attempt by Franklin and by us to, to draw that kind of a line in the sand and say, you can count on us to pray. Well, amen to that. Steve Rhodes from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Sometimes when we look at touring speakers or musicians, we realize what an undertaking it is to put something together. So how much more difficult was it to put something together for all 50 states? Well, it was a challenge. It uh, continues to be a challenge. You have, um, obviously, we, we've never done anything like this. We've never done anything that's this uh, ambitious. It's logistically ambitious, but uh, I guess beyond that, because all kinds of people do hard things. It's spirit, it's, it's, there's a spiritual dimension to this, which is that the, the country's very different. You know, Tallahassee, Florida... Is not is is not Concord, New Hampshire, mm. and it's not Salem, Oregon. Each of these places, um, as as Paul probably found out when he went on the missionary journeys, each of these places has a different tone and a different spiritual climate. And uh, this, the church is strong in some places and weak in others. 
So I think the real challenge for us has been to be sensitive to what God is doing in Oregon compared to Washington and, and to try to figure out how best we can assist the Church of Jesus Christ as it finds itself right now in these places. And so I think that's been the, the real challenge, not not just the logistics of travel and all of that. That's 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 been challenging. But more challenging has been to encourage prayer, to encourage uh, diligence, obedience in ourselves and in the church in each of these places, and try to make sure that we get that spiritual climate and, and tone and temperature right. Well, that's important. We're fortunately being under the mantle of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, I would think would be to a great advantage relative to some of the other organizations out there that wouldn't have such a universal appeal. So has the church been good at backing your efforts so far for the Decision America Tour? Yeah, I think so, because the the Billy Graham uh, historically has never, our organization, we don't really have an, a, a denominational axe to grind. We don't really have a particular um, emphasis other than the gospel that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins and that you can have a brand new life and he'll forgive you and and you can be born again and start all over and have a relationship with God. That has been our one fundamental core message. And as a result of that, and I think as a result of uh, Mr. Graham's ministry, uh, maybe we have uh, the ability to bring Christians together. And I say maybe because it's a different world. I mean, the, world's, the world certainly is changing. But so for whatever whatever we have to offer and whatever advantage that that gives us, we certainly want to use it because the time is short and the opportunities are are narrow, that window could be closing, and so we just want to use every available means to share the gospel. Well, I'm glad that you are reaching out there. Vice President Steve Rhodes from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Franklin Graham is coming to town. He'll be at the Oregon State Capitol's North Steps in Salem at noon tomorrow for the Decision America Tour. So, Steve, tell us about your experience with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. How long have you been with the group? I've been, uh, I've, I've just finished my fourth year with uh, with Franklin. Franklin's been our CEO for close to 20 years, and so it's it's been a real blessing to work with this organization um, for the past four and did you know each other well before coming on board? No, I wouldn't say well. I I uh, run into Franklin from time to time. He knew my father quite well. My my father was a pastor in North Carolina for a long time, and uh, Franklin knew our uh, my father knew Franklin well and had known Mr. Graham. But I was I was working at a church in New York City and had started to run into Franklin and. It just, the Lord made it very clear that now is the time for our family to make a transition and to join this this wonderful, wonderful ministry. We're excited to hear more, not only about Franklin Graham's visit to the state capitol in Salem, Oregon, but also more about you, Steve Rhodes. So, listeners, here's the skinny. You need to know this. Join Franklin Graham tomorrow at noon on the Capitol North Steps on Court Street Northeast in Salem. That'll be beginning at noon. Obviously, you're going to want to get there earlier. So many churches are coming, not only from the Salem-Kaiser area, but from all around Portland, parts east, south, north, and west of. So you want to get there early. 
Park where you can, be patient, bring others. This is really a historic event that you need to be a part of. And if you'd like more details, I've got them posted on our Facebook page at True Talk 800, also at truetalk800.com. And the Decision America Tour website is decisionamericatour.com. That's decisionamericatour.com. More with Steve Rhodes next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Welcome back to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. The big news tomorrow, Salem, Oregon, on the north steps of the state capitol. Join Franklin Graham beginning at noon. Park early, and we've heard a lot of great information about the Decision America Tour. More details online at DecisionAmericaTour.com. That's DecisionAmericaTour.com. So thank you so much, Vice President Steve Rhodes from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, to tell us all about it. But you've got some pretty interesting roots yourself, don't you? Uh, interesting roots? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I suppose. Uh, you know, you, you as a Christian, you only... I think the, the biggest thing we all learn is just to learn to say yes to the Lord. So um, the, the, Lord is, the Lord has been good to us. I, I came, from, came to Billy Graham from a church in New York City called the Brooklyn Tabernacle, where we raised our children, so we were in... Uh, suburban New York City for uh, 18 years and had the privilege of being on staff of that church. So that was a great blessing. Anytime you can be around godly people like are in that church who call on God and are anxious to see uh, the presence of God in their own lives, it's a, it's a blessing. So I think they were probably, that church was probably more of a blessing to me than I was to them. You speak that so humbly, a church called Brooklyn Tabernacle. <laughs> when I moved out to Oregon from New York eight years ago, do you have any idea, Steve Rhodes, how many times people say, did you go to Brooklyn Tabernacle? <laughs> Is that right? Not only because of the music, but uh, the symbol is all of the worship, all of the books, all of the teachings that have come out of a church like Brooklyn Tabernacle. So you mentioned raising your kids there. Tell us about your family. Well, I have four four grown children. I have uh, two two sons and two daughters. Uh, both of my sons work for Samaritan's Purse, which is a sister organization of ours. Franklin is the present CEO of that organization as well. They do international disaster relief. So I have one son that works at the headquarters and another son who's currently in Greece uh, working with uh, refugees there for Samaritan's Purse, and then two daughters who are at one is in graduate school at Liberty University, and the other just completed her uh, senior year at Liberty University. And then I have two granddaughters and a grandson on the way. So, so uh, my family's uh, my family's a blessing. God has been so good to us. Was it tough for them being Steve Rhodes' kids? It seemed like they've done pretty well, okay, but by going to say Liberty University or working for Samaritan's Purse which uh, a lot of us might know very well from being involved with Operation Christmas Child, but was it tough being your kids? I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, you don't really think about it at the at the time. I think that the one, the one thing, if any, if anything, that our children may have learned is they watched us as a young couple because we had we had children early watched us uh, determine how God was going to lead us. And I think what your children don't recognize is that what they certainly don't know is that you're making it up as you go. You're not prepared for anything that come, comes along in life. But my, the Lord has been faithful to teach my wife and me that we certainly don't have uh, the answers 
uh, about raising kids or or a marriage or how God's led us, but we have to constantly keep going back to Him for the decisions we have to make today, for what we have to decide today, to go back to Him and say, we need you. Uh, you know, like that old hymn, I need thee, oh, I need thee. I mean, that is something that is has been uh, the Lord's reminded of us over and over again that to walk to walk with him and to listen to him and to pay attention to what he's telling us so if any if 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 my children learned anything growing up in our house I hope it was that how much we need God because I'm the director of local ministries Steve I deal with a lot of outreach leaders and ministers and pastors and sometimes I need to call them out. If a pastor's not opening his or her Bible up before preparing for Sunday's message, there's a problem there. So as someone who's worked in ministry for so long as you have, whether it's with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association or with Brooklyn Tabernacle, what safeguards or boundaries did you and your wife put in place to keep you grounded and not married to the title or the job? It's hard. It's hard because the the ministry can become very quickly can become a job just like anything else, and even more insidious than that. After you've done it for a little while, and I learned this from Pastor Simbla, is after you've done it a while, you can do it. You can do it in your sleep, and and that's a very dangerous thing because um, you can you can only be profitable to the Lord. Your your work can only be helpful to Him. If you're dependent on him, the example, of course, would be Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything. He says Jesus was quoted uh, is quoted in the New Testament as saying that he only did what his father showed him to do. This isn't nobody, no pastor, no worker. It's not our ministry. It's not our church. It's not. This is not. Um, this doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him. We're just ambassadors. We're caretakers of what he's given us, and he has. I'm sure specific plans he wants for his church and so it's um it's it's probably the height of presumption for us to assume that we can just go into a day and make decisions particularly about ministry without consulting him and that's where ministers get into a lot of trouble why churches maybe don't experience the fullness of the presence of god like they should it's because we're in the way and we're we're the ones making these decisions Instead of maybe humbly going to him and saying, "Lord, what do you want? What do you want me to do?" But it's a, it's a look. It's an occupational hazard for all of us to be self-dependent and self-reliant, and it's it's a very dangerous thing. And so we all just, me included, myself included, all have to constantly look at ourselves and saying, "Am I, am I dependent on God for the decisions I have to make?" Well, that's important. So, can you tell us? Where you've moved to now, and how the transition was after a long career at Brooklyn Tabernacle, Steve Rhodes? We live in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a beautiful city. We were just in New York this past weekend, and uh, we'd run into people in New Jersey, and they'd say, Oh, you live in North Carolina. It's so beautiful. And it is. It's certainly a beautiful part of the country. I think New Jersey will always feel like home to us. It's where we raised our children, and we were we were in Bergen County, New Jersey, northwest of the city, for close to 20 years. Um, the transition uh, was was difficult, just because we we were from there, and anytime you move and you have all your relationships and everything, and most importantly, we had our church. Mm-hmm. We had our church that 
where God had dealt with us and dealt with our family in in some pretty remarkable ways. So it was a it was a, a it's you know it's taken us some time to adjust to that and also to to uh, recognize what God had for us and how, what He was what He was calling us to do. But it's been good. Look, God's been faithful every time we've said yes to Him. He always supplies. He always gives abundance and like that old verse in, in the verse in the, in the Old Testament in Psalms where it says goodness and mercy follows you or like chases you all over the place. Everywhere you go, there's just goodness and mercy and kindness and generosity because that's how God is. So he's been really good to us and really kind to us, and we're grateful. So how old were the kids when you made the big move out of Bergen, New Jersey, which is a really nice area, actually? Yeah, they were all, our last child, our youngest daughter, was getting ready to transition into into college. So we went from Bergen County, New Jersey, with the children in our home, to actually moving here to North Carolina, and also uh, becoming, uh, having no more children in the house. So that was a transition as well. Um, and they've been, they've been fine. Our two sons live in North Carolina, as I said, one is in Greece, and the other two are in Virginia. And so that's a, you know, there are seasons in life, and each season has joys and demands. And again, going back to what is the Lord expecting from us now, and how can we best seek Him with our whole heart? But the kids have done, the kids have done very well, and we're grateful. It sounds like you're very proud of them, Steve Rhodes from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. So as they were growing up, did you see these four kids' special gifts here and there, maybe get a glimpse or a vision of where God might use that in the future? Yeah, anybody that's listening that has children, and if you've, you know, we've all prayed for our children growing up, and it's it's amazing to watch the hand of the Lord on them. There's that verse in Acts that says, and the hand of the Lord was with them, which must mean something, otherwise the Holy Spirit wouldn't have included it in Acts. And you look for that in your children, the hand of the Lord and their own obedience. So it's been a, it's been a blessing to watch God use them and, 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 and work through them and work in them, and to see them seek the Lord for their own, because I can't, I certainly can't direct them. Each of my children, of our children, they have to, they have to get a hold of God for themselves and determine what God would have them to do. So it has been, but it has been a blessing to watch. And of course, as you, you know, you get older and your kids get, yeah, and your kids get older, there's less, really more, really less parenting and more praying, to be honest, because you just can't, you, you're not in a position to direct their activity like you are when they're younger. Steve Rhodes is the vice president at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, formerly of Brooklyn Tabernacle, and it seems very proud of his four children, as well as Franklin Graham joining us in Salem on the state capitol's north steps. Beginning at noon, you'll want to get there early, and if you'd like more information, check out the website DecisionAmericaTour.com. That's DecisionAmericaTour.com. More with Steve Rhodes next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. You're listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Tomorrow in Salem, Oregon, Franklin Graham will be speaking on the North Steps beginning at noon. And we're very thankful to have from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, Vice President Steve Rhodes sharing not only about Decision America Tour, but also about 
being in ministry full time before the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, he was with Brooklyn Tabernacle. So, Steve, I have to ask you, how has it been for your wife all these years as, well, the pastoral's wife? Well, it's, um, let's see, how's it been for her? It's been fine. Uh, it's you know it, it's been fine. That's my short answer. The longer answer would be anybody that's in ministry, any um, husband or wife that's in ministry, your spouse. Uh, you, there's this particular calling and really a, a, a burden on your spouse as well because it, it puts the family in some kind of a spotlight. And any pastor of the smallest church to the pastors of the largest church know that there's a, a particular specific kind of pressure on a family in the ministry. Nobody else, by the way, no layman know what that feels like. And and that's been one of our burdens as a ministry is the local the local church pastor, because there's so many pressures, so many demands and expectations on the pastor, and very few... Very, very few ways to to deal with some of those pressures, and that's why you see so many pastors leaving, leaving the ministry, so many discouraged, and why the church is in uh, a lot of trouble in the United States is because of the the pressure on the on the pastor and on his family. So, so yeah, it has been one of the things that we wanted to focus on, particularly this year, is helping the local the local church. But my wife has been a has been a blessing, and God has His hand on her as well. So it's a it's a it's a joy to it's a joy to be married to her for all this time. And when it comes down to it, it's a team effort when you work in full time ministry. And I'll argue that full time ministry is getting up out of bed in the morning, no matter what you might do as an occupation or what title might be on your business card or your LinkedIn account. So can you tell us where you grew up, Steve Rhodes? I was I was born in New Jersey, grew up outside of Philadelphia in a place called Valley Forge, just outside of Philly, and then moved to North Carolina when I was in junior high school, uh, went to Wheaton College, Dallas Seminary, and then uh, but that was my my upbringing was sort of combination of the Northeast, and then when I became a teenager, we moved to the South. So how funny! This is not your first foray into North Carolina now that you're with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. So. No, we were here for we were here for about ten years prior to moving to New York City. And were your parents both strong card carrying church going Christians or, or what? Yeah, my dad was a was an evangelist growing up. He uh, we were raised, as I said, outside of Philadelphia, and for for as long as I could remember, in the time I was growing up, for probably twenty years, uh, even before. In, Ten years before I was born, he was an evangelist. He would travel all over the country. I remember watching him leave in a in our station wagon on a Saturday and drive to Des Moines or drive to Ohio and from Pennsylvania and conduct a week long crusade and then come back the following week to to preach the gospel in some you know Huntington, West Virginia and Canton, Ohio, and some places that where they would hold a week of meetings, and he would preach evangelistic meetings. So I grew up watching that, watching him be in the ministry, and then he became a pastor of a church in North Carolina. And so I grew up in a in a pastor's home, and I think that's why I have a burden for the local pastor. I mean, I grew up in that household, and I know what that what it feels like from from the perspective of a child, 
and then also now as an adult raising uh, our children in the home that's committed to the gospel and committed to the ministry. So, um, so, so my my father's been in the ministry for a long time. He's in his 80s now and is still very active. I bet that's keeping him sharp. Well, good for you and your relationship with your dad, Steve. Did that prepare you to be in ministry full-time and have kids of your own? Were there things that your dad did, even as a traveling evangelist, before he became settled down as a pastor in North Carolina? Are there certain things that he went out of his way to do that you carried on to your fatherhood? Well, I think it's, yeah, I think it's hard because there are so many, as I said, there's so many demands on you that pastors sometimes try to compensate for the time they're gone. I've seen that. I've seen that in pastors all over the country as we've done you know, probably a couple of hundred pastors' meetings in the course of this year all over the place, that because pastors are gone, uh, they they may try to compensate for the time they've been gone. So I think my father, what I learned from him, um, the two things that come to mind since you asked the question, is number one, a love for God's Word. I remember watching, you know, walking past his study at all hours with him just reading his Bible and marking in it and making notes, not preparing for sermons, just spending time with the Lord. That That's a strong example to me. But the second thing would be to make, to make your family the number one priority. It's so easy to get that wrong, by the way, to make it be your relationship with God, your ministry, and then your family. And that's obviously not right. Mm. It's that you're, it's your relationship with God first, but then it's your family second, and the ministry is, is third. And so many homes have been wrecked by pastors who are more committed to, their fam- to, their, to the ministries, and as a result, lose their children, and the, the children wind up growing up resenting the ministry. And that's a very bad thing. So it's something that all of us have to really keep our eye on, that, that balance. And, and, but I, I tried to, my father was, was careful to try to get that right. So, Steve Rose, was there a point where you were old enough to go on any touring with him, or had he settled down as a local pastor by the time you were of that age? No, by the time we moved to North Carolina when I was 12, uh, he, had, he had accepted a pastorate here in Charlotte at a place called Calvary Church. And, and so in, in my junior high and high school years, he was a, a local pastor here in North Carolina. So tell us about the church. Well, it's a it's it's actually the church that where uh, where Billy Graham's family attended. It was where uh, Billy Graham's mother grew up, and his brother uh, Billy Graham installed my father as the pastor of the church. So the ties back to the Graham family for our family was were strong, and it was a you know it was a small unaffiliated Presbyterian church in downtown Charlotte, and. There was something going on, though, at the time. It was the early mid-'70s when my father came here. Something going on in in Charlotte at the time, a hunger for God. And so that, that church grew. People got saved, and and the church really grew. I think preaching the gospel in the South is difficult because there's a there can be a veneer of Christianity that really has nothing to do with being born again or with um, a, a desire for holiness and brokenness, and at, that you don't find, for instance, in a place like Oregon, or you wouldn't find in Augusta, Maine, uh, sort of a feeling like, well, of course we're Christians, we go to church. 
And that, that can be very difficult because there is the, not maybe the hunger or the need or the acknowledgement that we're lost and we need a Savior. But my, my father, I think because he had been an evangelist, came into the pastorate with an evangelist's heart, maybe. And so he would, he would preach not just discipleship, but he would preach you have to be saved and you have to be set free. And so I think that um, the preaching of the gospel may have been a contributing fa- factor to the growth of that church. Not my father, but just the power of the gospel. The power, the the idea that's mentioned in Romans one that that the gospel has power, and if we just tell people about the gospel, there will be change that takes place in the hearts of people. And so, I think that would, that would probably be the story of that church over the course of several decades: uh, the power of the gospel. Steve Rhodes is a vice president at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. So, Steve, before we go to break, I have to ask you. When did your personal faith become your own versus being the son of evangelist? I think it was, um, uh, I actually think that, I mean, I was saved when I was six. I went forward to a meeting my dad preached, and we were in Boston. And I remember it very vividly going forward and and accepting Christ as my Savior, as best as I knew at six years old, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's not... Uh, not a lot of baggage that comes with it as a six-year-old, but I think growing up and 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 growing up in that household, it probably wasn't until I was actually had gone through grad school, had gone through Wheaton College and Dallas Seminary, and had and was actually in the ministry when I really started to to question the true nature of prayer and and whether. Um, I I believed, and and I was saved, certainly, but a question of uh, what does it mean to have God get a hold of you, and what does it mean to call on God for yourself? I actually think, and I think it's probably, you know, it's probably surprising for people to hear this, that that actually happened when I was already in the ministry, where I really realized that I've got to get a hold of God now uh, for myself in a brand new way. And it was some things that were going in our family that, that... uh, were happening with uh, just some transition events in our family where I really felt like we need a new, sort of a new understanding, a new baptism, if you will, of, of an understanding of what it means to really get a hold of God and have God, God get a hold of us. Thank you so much, Steve Rose, for some great concepts to share and observations with your upbringing. Don't forget to join Franklin Graham on the Capitol North Steps in Salem tomorrow at noon. And when we return, more with Steve Rhodes on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Thanks for joining Difference Makers on True Talk 800. And don't forget tomorrow at noon on the Capitol North Steps in Salem, Oregon, Franklin Graham, Decision America Tour 2016. More details are linked to the website, the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com, and also on the website, decisionamericatour.com for Oregon, and here to tell us all about it. Thank you so much from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, VP Steve Rhodes. We're really enjoying your company today. So can you tell us what you're most excited about? Earlier on, you told us about the difficulties of preaching to the choir to a degree in the North Carolina area where Perhaps a lot of the Christianity, which I put in quotes, is more cultural than life-changingly spiritual. So to contrast that, is it kind of fun for you to 
have the This Is an America tour come to liberal Oregon? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, a, it's an in- interesting way to put it. I think having been in New York for so long, you get you get a very strong sense that there are in in some places like New Jersey where we where we were or in Oregon there's a very clear maybe a line of demarcation between Christians and those who have no interest. And so that makes certainly it makes it a challenge uh to to present the gospel to people who may be largely maybe antagonistic or indifferent to any of this. But it also, you know, in the, in the South, in the Northeast, the, uh, the Northwest, it's you know, it's 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 always that verse where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So, what you what we have found in Oregon, and what's been such a blessing, a blessing, to work with uh, churches who are praying, and to watch the the church, and it hasn't been anything that we've done, I assure you, to watch the church say we're going to pray we're going to call on god and so we've run into people in in um just recently i was in um vermont with people that have been praying for the better part of 15 years for god to bring a revival in vermont and they're praying and they're praying and th- there's there is a sense like you like you'd see in in luke chapter 11 where we're going to keep praying and we're going to keep asking and keep knocking and we're going to call on God, and we're going to see God bring uh, something new in our churches here in Vermont. So that's been so exciting to watch uh, the Church of Jesus Christ say we're going to we're going to stand up, and we're going to pray, and we're going to call on God. And we've watched that in in Oregon. It's been and it's been such a joy to work with churches all across Oregon, all across Oregon for the last couple of months. I'm glad to hear that, Steve Rhodes. Are there any that have stood out in your mind for Decision America coming to Oregon? No, I mean I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to highlight. Uh, I wouldn't want to highlight any in, any specifically. But I, I will say that there been. It's been across denominational lines. That it hasn't been any one particular group. I think in each in each place, there's always a remnant of God's people who are serious and enthusiastic to see God do something and people that are tired of just the same the same run of the mill christianity go to church for an hour or go in some building somewhere and then drive home and not see any real change in their community in themselves in their neighbors and i think people are hungry to see something real i mean the the, the attractiveness of sin to be honest is that it's real it's tangible, and it's experiential, and I think people are hungry for something that's not phony and not artificial or canned or or um, or just uh, run of the mill. They're anxious. I mean, if God's real and if prayer is real and if God really is anxious to do something, then we should expect great things from God, as Ian Bounds, Ian Bounds, a great writer, would say. But it's but it's only these promises and the and the blessing only comes as a result of prayer. That's taught taught in the Bible. With without, with, nobody would disagree that that's taught from the from cover to cover. That all of the blessing, all of the power comes in response to prayer. So the most exciting thing to go back to your question, the most exciting thing has been to watch uh, churches across all across all denominations 
um, gather together and pray in small groups and in large for revival and for awakening in the Northwest there. So, Steve Rhodes, tell us, believers, how do we fight complacency? How do we fight just going through the motions, showing up on Sunday, getting our token prayer in, but deep down inside not having that faith of a mustard seed? For instance, for those of us who may have elderly relatives with dementia, it's tough to continually pray for God's miraculous restoring healing, although we're promising to love them anyway, no matter what state God allows them to be in. How can you encourage us to continue to fervently pray continually? It's very, it's, it, it can be very difficult, and it can be tiring. I think it's, it's important for us to recognize that there can be seasons for things like this. Um, when, when my second son was, was born, he had some very serious health issues. And I remember in all the time, in the, in the couple of months and years after that, you find yourself getting tired. That can be the case with a, a child that's away from the Lord or a grandchild or a, a spouse, for that matter. And things seem to be getting worse instead of better. And it's, it's easy to kind of lose your grip and just say, I can't anymore. And look, the Lord knows that. The Lord knows that we're made out of dust and we're weak. He knows that. So it's, it's important for us as Christians to recognize that there may be seasons of prayer where we are calling on God fervently and He puts a burden in your heart. And there are times when you wake up in the middle of the night with a burden to pray. And other times where you feel like God says, rest and wait on me. And those are times when just to sit in the presence of God and, and almost like you can't pray, like you're out of words, you're out of tears. But the Lord sees all that, and that's why Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit's given and can sometimes utter prayers on our behalf that we can't even form the words, we can't form the sentences, but the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. So I think it's important for us... Uh, Sometimes as Christians, if you're, if, if you're trying to pray through, through something that appears to be chronic, that you allow the Lord to lead you, and that sometimes we can be harder on ourselves than we need to be. There are times when we just need to rest. The Lord Jesus did, where he pulled away with his disciples and just rested. But the key to all of that, I think... And I think maybe a lot of your listeners would agree, the key to that is just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit want me to do today? What is He, not next week, not next month, because who can see that far out? No one. But what is the Lord asking, what does He require of me just today? Uh, what does He want me to pray about? How does He want me to be led? How does He want me to bless people? Who can I encourage just today? And to be sensitive to that and to recognize that God is not harsh. He's not a taskmaster. He's generous. He's kind. He's merciful. He's forgiving. So to recognize that even in the midst of praying and being burdened for people, there's also a time for rest and being in the presence of God and letting Him refresh us. We might have heard these things a thousand times over, Steve Rhodes, but sometimes I think we need to be reminded of them. So thank you for sharing about that with prayer life, even when things aren't coming easily to us. So earlier on, you mentioned knowing the Lord at age six and then going to some wonderful schools like Wheaton College and Dallas Seminary, where it really struck you. So are are there any good words of encouragement to our late teens, to our 20-somethings, 
who may feel like they're not really exactly in the groove where God needs them, or they're not feeling it. Yeah, that's hard. Feelings feelings are can be very variable. If I can use, if I can say it that way, and it's it's sometimes it's it's um, frustrating because you feel like you've missed it. And is God really working with me? Am I where, where I'm supposed to be? I will tell you. I will say, like I would say to my own children, that you're you're just responsible for obe- being obedient today. God will. God will certainly use you if you call on him and say, here am I. You know, here I am. Whatever weaknesses and mistakes I've made, you have me. I submit myself. I surrender myself to you. God will will answer that prayer always. He will always answer that prayer. Just like just like if any any parent, if it has a child that the child comes up and says, I'm sorry, what do you want me to do now? And no parent would turn that child away. Every parent would say, I, it's okay, you're forgiven. Now you want to, you know, you want to be obedient. Here's what you need to do. And, and, and we're sinful and we're selfish. So how much more is our Heavenly Father forgiving and kind and generous with us? So anybody that's in that, in that particularly transition in life, and that may not just be 18 to 25-year-olds. There could be people that are in their 30s and 40s and 50s that are saying, what's next for me? Particularly like people that are getting ready to retire. What is, you know, is my, have I missed it? Is my life over? And I would say never, ever, ever. Because God has a reason why he still has me breathing today and has you breathing. There's a reason. There's something for us to do. And so I would say regardless of the mistakes you've made, and I've made more than anybody listening, regardless of the mistakes you've made, God has a plan for you right now. And he, he's going to use what has happened in your life to this point to, to, make a, to make your life a special offering. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like me. And those experiences he can use to bless people, to encourage people, to lead people. So the only thing that we can do is we can take what we have in our hands and say, use me, God, use me. And he will. He will. And, it, it, again, I wouldn't trust your feelings. You have to trust what the Bible says. And we put our we put ourselves in His hands, and He will take your life and cause it to be a blessing to people, and cause you to be used by Him. And so, don't. It's not that I would say don't be too hard on yourself. I would just say that God God has His hand on you, and and just go back to Him and seek Him with your whole heart, and He'll show you what's next. Thank you so much, Steve Rhodes, Vice President from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, for your insights on faith and family and ministry. Don't forget to join Franklin Graham tomorrow at noon on the Capitol North Steps on Court Street Northeast in Salem, Oregon. More information at DecisionAmericaTour.com. That's DecisionAmericaTour.com. And thank you, Steve Rhodes, for joining us on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.